Okay, first things first. Brian Singer is a better person than Barack Obama. Pedophilia, <laughs> pedophilia is a condition. It's not a condition to drone uh, strike, drone children, strike, yeah. not persecute bank- bankers. Brian Singer can be rehabilitated. Barack Obama uh, cannot be. Uh, number two. Okay, uh, we have statues of the founding fathers. Why do we have to take down R. Kelly's music? That's more Tariq Nasheed. But yeah. we're still rolling. We're still rolling. We're still rolling. Give me an event. Give me an event. Um, Social uh, event. Uh, government shutdown. All right. It's interesting that people who every day complain about the Bodanga, you know, being closed uh, for whatever reason, uh, but accepted as part of their wacky urban elite lives in New York City. Uh, they think that a government shutdown is the crisis of all crises and it's more anti-Trump hysteria. Uh, you know, uh, banks close on holidays, all the t- Jewish holidays all the time. And uh, I just don't see the difference between that. I mean, wouldn't the observance of a wall be seen as religious? If it was a religion, it would be okay, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, suck that, my dick. Yeah, you yeah. guys fucking suck. I got you, bit you. Undefeated. Undefeated 2019. Never lost a game. Give me a hit me, hit me, hit me. Uh, okay. Um, that bank shooting in Central Florida. People die every single day in the nation known as Africa. I don't see you crying about it. Let's go. Hit me, hit me, hit me. <laughs> Um, is there going to be a State of the Union address? It's still up in the air. It's interesting to me that the political media is so focused on uh, one speech when there are uh, millions of speeches every day. <laughs> Whenever, when, when people are talking, that's a speech. Yeah, that's right. The media that's right, doesn't... That's yeah. right, dude. There are people who choose not to speak. All right, and, yeah. keep going. I'm getting warmed up. Each uh, uh, bomber guy raises a quarter million dollars on Twitch for mermaids, the trans youth uh, charity. All right, you really have to stretch to get a contrarian take on this. Oh, what, what the fuck am I talking about? Easy, easy. Oh, really? On Jeff Bezos' uh, streaming service? Woo! <laughs> <laughs> ching Boom! Headshot! Dude, you give me any event, I'll come up with the most obtuse, annoying take on it. Undefeated. We're in this. We're fucking in this. Uh, no, just Matt, keep giving me Matt, Matt, feed, feed Felix uh, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a news I'm event. fucking unstoppable today. Uh, uh, the uh, coup in Venezuela. Uh, technically, there's a coup every two years in the House of Representatives. <laughs> 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 they just choose to re-elect, re-elect the speaker. We don't see media coverage about that. Yeah, I mean, Nancy- it just, it just, you know what it is? It's uh, urban liberals are so obsessed with exotic foreign countries because they like to hear them say, they hear themselves say the words Venezuela, like the bodega. They like to hear themselves saying that stuff, so, but they don't talk about the coup that's happening in their own backyards. Uh, yeah, Nancy Pelosi just did a coup to the House of Representatives. She's, exactly. Was she the leader a year ago? No. It just shows the way that we process information is just interesting to me uh keep feeding matt you got you got any other uh news weezer's new covers album all right so when weezer does it it's a cover album but when rappers uh sample music it's stealing <laughs> <laughs> okay how about uh you you alluded to it uh earlier how about um like should we still listen to r kelly's music okay you're gonna listen to r kelly but the everyone's favorite classical composer wagner was literally a nazi and everyone listens to wagner i can't go outside without seeing people drive by and blasting wagner <laughs> okay okay you can't go to a party without yeah. hearing uh Flight okay. of the Valkyries. gilbert and sullivan probably pedophiles they were english <laughs> oh that's okay i wonder why um, oh uh, uh davos uh a few world leaders meeting at davos right now what do you got, it's what interesting you got that? that everyone's criticizing davos for being out of touch yet they probably go to dinner parties where they uh, discuss identical topics <laughs> Flawless victory. Undefeated. Have never lost a game in 2019. Guys, if you're listening to this, you and your families probably do some weird shit where you go to Stonehenge because your dad's in the Green Party. And everyone hates those arguments you get in at the religious festival at Stonehenge that you all go to, everyone who listens to this show. Well, this is our argument guide for your Stonehenge. The, the holidays. The real holidays are coming up. And you're ready for those arguments at Stonehenge. With your dad, who's in the Green Party, let's go. This is uh, yeah, you will be undefeated at um, yeah, the whatever pagan uh, holiday <laughs> yeah, you celebrating. All pagans, all in the Green Party, all that shit. Your mom is a producer in Ancient Aliens. You're into all that stupid shit, and you have arguments at your neo pagan holidays. So you know, just get ready. We're getting you in combat mindset, and you will be the family champion. Uh, contrarian take generator. Uh. Kamala Harris announces candidacy for presidency in 2020. 
Everyone, uh, everyone's saying Kamala is a cop. All right, now we're talking. Well, you see, fair or foul? Well, most people who run for president, they literally got started by being elected hall monitor in middle school, so they're technically all police officers. Is it is it fair to bring up her record as a prosecutor uh, when she runs for president, though? Um, no, because if you think about it, okay, what was Bernie Sanders before he was a U.S. rep? Uh, unemployed. No, he was the mayor of Burlington. Okay, he probably levied hundreds of thousands of dollars of zoning violations on people. Why is it better to take money from people than to imprison them? He basically imprisoned the town with his zoning <laughs> restrictions. <laughs> Yo, all of the citizens of Burlington, Vermont, were they were his Bernie's prisoners. prisoners. They were yeah. Bernie's prisoners. Yeah, so you know, have fun with that. I don't even support Kamal Harris. I'm writing. I'm writing in. Um, Mo Udall, even though he's dead. He's the last good senator. I won't explain why. Ask me to explain your fucking block, pussy. <laughs> Get fucked. Oh, man. Well, I'm feeling limber. Uh, Matt, how about you? I did all my stretches. Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling all right. Uh, thank you for all the kind words from all the listeners who took my obvious illness on the last episode where I was brave enough to go across town to record an episode because everyone else was out while I was obviously sick and just saying, oh, ah, you died, bitch. You suck. Uh, Alex <laughs> Jones much? You fucking Tom Waits sounding bitch. Nice so thank you for all of that fucking consideration. I'm feeling better now. I'm sure no one will complain about your audio in this episode, though, for sure. Oh, yeah, it'll be great. Yeah, no, fuck up. <laughs> Preemptive, shut the fuck up. Uh, I went on Hassan, Hassan from TYT, his Twitch, the other day, and you just wouldn't believe how, like, you think our people are bad about audio. Just because I was speaking through an Xbox headset, not one of the microphone, the two microphones I own, just wah, 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 babies. People don't deserve the media that people give them. All they care about is mic quality. And I think having good mic quality is like a way of lying to your listener, honestly. Because no one actually sounds like that. It's like makeup. It's, I'm against makeup, too. Yeah, it's like makeup. It's <laughs> yeah, like yeah, women yeah. wear makeup. Good audio that's, quality is like makeup. That's lying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Boom. Just got another extra one for you. <laughs> um, okay, if we could... Uh, I mean, obviously, Felix, you can't because, you know, you're, you're trapped inside your mind. They're, they're your, your, your own mind's prisoner. I'd uh, say I'm more like a guest of my own mind. Yeah. Um, transferring out of a contrarian take mode, uh, Matt, uh, I guess news story of the moment right now is Venezuela. Uh, Venezuela, and I suppose, uh, you know, uh, we have to uh, register a take on this as it's, you know, as, you know, as, as people who have like, a lot of power to do something about it. It's very important that, you know, we get on the record uh, about this. What do you, what do you say, Matt? Yeah. I mean, it's a tough one. You know, uh, what do you do about all those uh, bad regimes that are out there with all their starving people, and their dictatorships? Uh, we all, I mean, it's our job as America to do something about it. But at the same time, the president is, uh, is, you know, Hitler McCheeto, and it's tough to really trust him to do anything. But, you know, humanitarian emergency like this, I think we just have to bite the bullet and trust that he does what's best for everyone, which is a swift and kinetic military operation to remove the Maduro regime. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, like any of you, I fancy myself a liberal, but when the two biggest fascists in the Western Hemisphere agree on something, I have to go along with them. It's very simple. You know, uh, when someone uh, pursues a sort of bird-brained fiscal policy of uh, forever overextending their fiscal policy linked to oil prices and there's some currency uh, currency management malfeasance, you just have to agree with the version of Hitler that looks like Sam the Eagle in Brazil <laughs> and just the most senile man in history. And you got to, you know, you got to bite the bullet. You got to do the right thing. Who is the opposition leader? You know, he's a, he's a young gun. He's he's just 35 years old. Um, you know, he's a, he's a hot rising star on the global political scene. I mean, now he is, you know, the president of right, Venezuela. He's the real president, <laughs> yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> because uh, Donald Trump and several of the uh, House uh, Foreign Services Committee uh, have uh, declared him so. I mean, in the event 
they get him in there, I think it will be a repeat of Tamer in Brazil where it's like you just have this formless blob that's in there for a few years who privatizes some things, sells some things off, and then you have you got your Bolsonaro. You got the guy you really wanted or the guy they really wanted. By they, I mean every fucking vulture who already fucked around with Argentina's debt and wants to do the same thing to Venezuela. Every fucking uh, Mormon whose brain has been corrupted to serve the CIA and everyone else. So, you know, if it works, you got that to look forward to. But hey, you know, in four or five years, if you were someone who was like Brett Stevens, unsure of Trump's character, but thought he was best served to dispense regime change in this country that you previously only used to tell uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to Google it. <laughs> uh, you know, you can wring your hands about the new guy in four years when we get him. You, I will definitely retweet your column where you go, I supported the opposition. But, uh, you know, Krillman, Esteban Hitler, no good. And then you'll come around to supporting him anyway, like you did with uh, Bolsonaro. And you know what? You'll still write those fucking columns. We'll still, next time this happens, we'll still get the exact same shit of people either authoring, uh, offering very qualified support or, you know, not really non-interventionist positions, which ultimately mean the same thing as uh, non-binding statements from whatever socialist group in America. It ultimately means fucking nothing. It's, the choice of Venezuelan people, but you know, we'll just do it again. We love doing it again. We get to see the exact same thing over and over again, but Hey, your friend, Brett Stevens and Barry Weiss are here. We love it. It's like, seriously though, like I, to, to the extent that, uh, you know, you're interested in, you know, what the correct take is or just what my opinion is, because that's all this is. Um, I, you know, I feel a little bit grandiose about, you know, like people who are like demanding that, you know, people like, you know, issue some statement or whatever. And for, as far as Americans go, it just seems a little bit, I don't know, fully yourself, I guess, or just, I don't know, overestimating uh, the importance of your own opinion. But since this is a show where I offer my opinion, uh, the correct opinion is that the United States has no fucking business recognizing this fucking crackerjack mickey mouse opposition just declaring themselves leader of this country crackerjack mickey mouse is actually the name of one of bolsonaro's deputies <laughs> <laughs> i mean but yeah i know like if, if 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 that's what you you need to hear i think it should be a pretty obvious and uncontroversial position is that uh this opposition is completely illegitimate and what america and other countries are trying to do right now is tantamount to a coup in venezuela yeah man it's uh it's Man, it's been a while. What? Uh, almost twenty years since they did a coup in Venezuela. Oh, hey, I, hey, we're getting the band back together. I mean, uh, God, Ed Meese is still alive. Yeah, really uh, Elliot Abrams retro, too. I'm pretty sure. No, you get could, all those ghouls back together. Yeah, you could do a fucking Iran Contra Expendables. You could get Ollie North in there. You could get all the fucking old creeps. I mean, you have a I you have a Condor style fascist in Brazil now. So let's fucking go. Yeah, let's, uh, let's just parachute them uh, into Caracas, and they could be the, the tip of the spear point. I'm pretty sure the Brazilian paratroopers would lose to any particularly large birds in Venezuela, but <laughs> there we'll are some, something. Uh, there are some pretty large and amazing birds in Venezuela. I think, like, uh, is that where the 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 shoebill stork is? Those things are. Oh, they're those lovely. things are. No, they're terrifying. Uh, you just they're like pit bulls, you know, the owners. <laughs> Uh, do not uh, email to correct me if uh, the shoe bill stork is not actually native to Venezuela. But, you know, rest assured. Email that... Virgil instead. Yeah. So, uh, so far, we were just like talking about this. Ro Khanna is the only congressperson who has issued any kind of sensible statement. Ro Khanna's about... been clapping cheeks. What a surprise. He's been clapping some cheeks. Which is that, yeah, like it, it is not the it is not the purview of the United States president to just decide who who gets to be president of Venezuela. Well, I mean, it, the problem is it's our business in that uh, we're we have a large degree of responsibility for the ongoing economic crisis. They're mm. yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. And we have no intent intention of stopping it until the regime is overthrown. So. I mean, we basically have Venezuela in a situation where they're going to be suffering intensely until we get what we want out of it, which, of course, is privatized oil sector and and shock doctrine uh, reordering of the whole economy. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously, I was watching uh, the, the nightly news story about, you know, political unrest in Venezuela 
and of course, you know, they were at a hospital with some, you know, emaciated infant and the, you know, reporter was just saying like, wow, it's really hard to believe that, you know, there isn't any medicine available for these babies. And it was just like, yeah, yeah how did that happen? Like, wow, wild that there isn't, you know, a medicine in this country. I wonder how that and happened. If, and if this happens, if this, if this coup succeeds and I mean, I, it's hard to imagine it happening without some serious bloodshed and and long-term violence and repression that is going to make it harder for them to put a smiley face on it. But the economy probably will improve in some way because all the floodgates to credit and, and resources that have been kept from them are going to be open. And then people are going to point to that as proof that, uh, that, that this is some sort of liberation. Um, I also like uh, people who are defending this, you know, would say that like, you know, Maduro isn't a legitimate leader because the last election was like, you know, the opposition party, you know, sat out. Is that is that correct? Yeah, they they boycotted the last presidential election. And there was like, uh, you know, 50 percent turnout or whatever. And it was like, what the fuck? There's like 50 percent turnout in this country for our elections. Like, I, I know, like one of our major political parties didn't boycott it. But let's be honest, we only have two fucking political parties. and I mean, the Democrats basically did for two election cycles under Bush. But just out of respect. <laughs> you just you do got to have yourself a nice smile at Macron deciding to to <laughs> help monitor the situation. <laughs> yeah, right. Mr. Too Damn Stable. <laughs> Mr. Country's doing too well. I, I don't know. I mean, it's just like, I again, like, I feel a little sheepish, you know, uh, uh, weighing in to say, like, you know, oh, like, this this is what needs to happen in, in Venezuela, because it's like, you know, I, I don't, nothing I say is going to make any fucking difference. But again, uh, shouldn't be very hard uh, to just state what is obvious. Uh, this is a coup and that the opposition guy who's just declared himself president is illegitimate. Well, uh, I mentioned it earlier, but uh, of course, while while this is going on, um, you know, in Venezuela, but uh, in this country, uh, we're now still in the midst of the longest shutdown in government history. Um, and all basically all of the world leaders and, you know, oligarchs and plutocrats and thought leaders are at uh, Davos right now. It's that time of year. It's the time of year for everyone to gather at the ski resort and share their great ideas about how to uh, save and fix the world, which, wouldn't you know it, uh, all involve um, them being allowed to uh, distribute their ill-gotten gains um, privately through their charitable foundations and absolutely not subject to any kind of uh, higher taxation. Well, I think that's nice of them. Uh, did Did you guys see my favorite Davos event? Uh, no, what was it? It's basically like an escape room where all the fucking freaks have to crawl around on their hands and knees to si- uh, simulate the experience of being a refugee. Yes, I did see that. I, I, the Guardian article <laughs> oh said, it, said they were, it was an, it was an, it was an event they did it like a couple of years ago. I don't know if they're still doing it, but yeah, like they wanted to to simulate the refugee experience for the Davos attendees. Hey, good for you guys. I could help you guys do that. Wouldn't I, take an escape room. I want to uh, I want to play uh, just real quick here a uh, a video clip of what happened when the panel of uh, super geniuses was asked about AOC's um, suggestion that uh, we tax income over $10 million at a 70% rate. So let me just cue that up real quick. I think the answer is very telling here. There are growing calls to address these inequalities, particularly the wage inequality with more taxes. In particular, in the United States, there's been a call by Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez to tax uh, people earning over $10 million at a 70% tax rate. The current top rate in the United States is 37%. Uh, Michael Dell, do you support this? Wow. Well, look, I mean, uh, you know, my wife and I set up a foundation uh, about 20 years ago, and we would have contributed quite a bit more than a 70% tax rate on my income, on my annual income. And I feel much more comfortable with our ability as a private foundation to allocate those funds than I do giving them to the government. All right. <laughs> so, no, I'm not supportive of that. Well, Keith, and, and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and I don't think it would help the growth of the U.S. economy. Oh, that's interesting. 
And can you say a little bit more about why? Why you don't think it would? Well, name a country where that's worked ever. United States. <laughs> Briefly, in the 80s. No, no, no. For, from about the 1930s through about the 1960s, the tax rate averaged about 70%. Um, at times, it was up as high as 95%. And those were actually pretty good years for growth. So I, I don't have a strong opinion on that proposal. A lot of the devil is in the details. Um, but I think it's, uh, there's actually a lot of economics that suggests that it's not necessarily going to hurt growth. Did that, okay, f- All for, right, that for, was, did that fucking bird brain say that Reagan had a 70% marginal rate? Yeah, it was the, it was the moderator. <sighs> Where the fuck did they find these? Did they just grow them this in was, I think this was like the Washington Post thing. But first of all, the, the, the first answer was from the guy who's like the CEO of Dell Computers. He's the Dell in Dell. <laughs> you know, someone who's contributed a great deal to society already. Yeah. He's the guy. Yeah, but his commer- he was really funny in those commercials, though. Yeah. <laughs> when he would I mean, tell people that, dude, they were getting a Dell. With, without, <laughs> it's the same guy, yeah. 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 I mean, without, that's, that's him. Without Michael Dell, you know, you, the listener, your Green Party dad wouldn't have gotten radicalized on Jib Jab. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you can thank him. Uh, but, yeah, no, I mean... Just great work by the Washington Post moderator, not pushing Michael Dell when he self-reports that he he and his wife have given over 70% of their net worth to their private foundation. Just let that linger. Just let it sit around. Just laugh, laugh like a laugh like a fucking teacup dog. Don't do anything. Good for you. You earned your spot here, you fucking dunce. Well, yeah, two things. He says, one, I uh, my wife and I feel more comfortable that we can allocate our resources uh, better than the government. And it's just like, oh, uh, good. I'm glad you feel that way. Uh, well, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. Are, uh, tell me about the government program that is going to make him a Gundam out of homeless people's bones. Uh, there isn't one to my knowledge, but his, his foundation is working hard on that very question. And then, uh, then, he, yeah, then he says, I don't think it would be good for growth. Uh, that's really cool. The growth thing is really excellent when we're literally cooking to death on this planet. I love hearing about economic growth. It's very good to me. So, yeah, uh, getting a sort of a tepid uh, reception, he was, uh, yeah, the, the, he was corrected by an MIT professor who did, did bring up the, the fact that, you know, for much of the 20th century, our, the top marginal tax rate in this country was considerably higher than it is now, and the economy was certainly growing back then. Uh, but then he, that guy didn't really, like, you know, wholeheartedly endorse uh, AOC's idea as well. He just said, well, you know, the devil's in the details, but... Uh, I, I am sort of stunned by the glib ignorance of uh, the Dell guy when he just says, like, uh, show me where it's worked ever. And here's another thing. like, I think he knows, though. I mean, I think it's just it's laziness. He's in a room full of people he, don't, he doesn't think will challenge him. Somehow a fucking MIT guy is the one to do it. Yeah, it's I would assume a guy like that knows. It's just it's just that's their fallback. You got that one. Then you can really reach into your into your ankle holster and pull out your 38 Derringer and it shoots out a flag that says Google Venezuela. (laughs) But yeah, Matt, to your point, like let's say it doesn't help our economy grow. It's like, who cares? What, why can't the, how about the economy just stays where it's at right now or maybe even shrinks a little bit, but like just, you know, morally, the guy who created Dell computers shouldn't get to decide what to do with all his fucking money. Well, I think we should avoid and it's it. not sorry, not even his money. Well, I think we should avoid it shrinking. But in real terms, it's eventually going to have to shrink because a lot of the reason that Michael Dell has, uh, you know, by his own reporting, allocated upwards of 18 billion dollars to, uh, you know, work with Akon to bring light bulbs to Africa or whatever the fuck he says he does. It isn't just, you know, charter schools and money laundering for his own fortune. Uh, a lot of this, the reason that Dell Computers was, was and is worth so much, the reason that most of those people in the room are worth so much, it's just pure speculation, pure, incredible overvaluing of, equ- of equities and trading off of massive, massive uh, credit opportunities afforded for these people already. Here's another highlight from Davos. Um, Prince William opens up about his struggles with depression and uh, mental health. This is perfect. This is, if you wanted me to, if you, like someone was in a coma from the time that McGovern announced his uh, candidacy till now and you wanted to show them what the modern age is, it's a room full of uh, pedophiles and goblins cheering for a literal prince as he talks about raising mental health awareness. 
There you go. He says here, uh, the New York Times, Prince William, the Duke of Cambridge, who is second in line to the British throne, spoke candidly on Wednesday about the difficulty he faced in trying to get celebrities to sign on to his cause, revealing, without naming names, that not one had initially offered to join the mental health campaign he has run since 2016 with his wife and brother. It was only once they went public with their, quote, heads together campaign and people realized that Catherine, Harry and I put our necks on the line here, he said, that well-known names began to support the effort. Its advocates now include the actress Judy Dench. Wow. You got, dude, what an, I just thought, I just thought you were just a fucking leech on the world who did absolutely nothing except, you know, you were born to some German lady who was born to some German lady before her and you just get to live in this fucking malibu stacy palace but you actually you made people aware of the concept of mental psychology good work man you demand dude you fucking rock um that's the most worthless rich people campaign in 2012 there was a big like anti-bullying thing where like you you would have like brad pitt be like bullying's fucked up don't do the knockout game human trafficking's bad but now it's uh just raising awareness of the concept of depression yeah. That's the it's just the greatest. I mean, you want to know where Michael Dell's money is going. It's that type of shit. Also, speaking of the royal family, my favorite news story of the last week was um, Prince Philip just out here fucking going insane in that Range Rover. <laughs> skirt, skirt. I just, drank, I just drank a fifth of vodka. You dare me to drive? OK, Prince Philip is 97 years old. And he's still out here. He plowed his fucking Range Rover. He like T-boned a fucking woman and her baby in a fucking car. Rockstar lifestyle might not make it. <laughs> and then the next day, he was back out on the road whipping it and got pulled over and was driving without a seatbelt. Dude, that's mental health awareness. Never let like your past failures define who you are. If you almost kill a baby, <laughs> your mom, just keep at it. You cannot be defined by negativity. Well, speaking about our theme of uh, nothing ever changes, everything stays the same. I mean, this is just like classic British royal family stuff. You know, you just like you're you're uh, you just ride through a town on your horse and just trample a few children. Yeah. Uh, did you see the like letter that he gave the people he hit, where he's like, "I hope you had a good time meeting the Duke of Windsor." <laughs> <laughs> it's so awesome it's so oh man i mean we make fun of americans how uh, downtrodden and submissive they are compared to like say the french who just love to riot all the time but that the english have that and they love it what a bunch of fucking subs <laughs> they're not even english they're germans you just have a bunch of fucking stupid inbred krauts driving around hitting you with cars and you love it you guys are fucking little pay pigs I my favorite though is uh, like Americans, like the weird, uh, like dark enlightenment people who want a monarchy in this country. If you're, or they think like the monar monarchy is the only legitimate form of government. Yeah. You know what? You know what? This event had me realize. Do you think that Mountbatten he wasn't killed by the IRA? It was just him trying to pilot the boat alone. <laughs> <laughs> the IRA just took credit. They're like, oh shit, uh, we just got to say we did this. Uh, Mountbatten was like uh, he was basically like Rodney Dangerfield and Caddyshack, where he just drives the boat through that fucking you know, just like crushes the guy in the yeah. little fishing boat. Whoops, <laughs> uh, sir! Don't ash your pipe into those red barrels. <laughs> They're the red barrels from Donkey Kong. He just put them on his boat. I've become enamored with the great ape known as Donkey Kong. I'd like to put some of his red barrels on my boat. Uh, yeah. Donkey Kong is a fool if he thinks a tie will earn him respect. Oh, and Matt, speaking of uh, Donkey Kong, uh, you and Virgil made an appearance on the uh, the now legendary stream. Yeah, we were there for a few minutes uh, on Sunday after we recorded. So yeah, you uh, you guys are you guys are part of history now. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'll take all the credit. Thank you. Yeah, no, <laughs> there's no way they would have raised that money without uh, without Chapo. Well, specifically me. No, but uh, you got you guys appeared on the same billing with uh, AOC, you know. So that's just yeah. One... We were about an hour after her, I guess. Yeah, that's just one step closer to her finally coming on our show. What a, whatever, man. I'm gonna do fucking Doctor Disrespect's stream to raise money for an anti-bullying charity, and guess who's gonna come on with me? That's right, Cynthia McKinney, the <laughs> <laughs> real left congresswoman. Um. Okay. Here's here's another item. Uh. I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, Kristen Gillibrand, 
who has also declared her intention to run for the president in 2020, uh, was being interviewed by one of the Johns, who asked already her, love it, already yeah. just thrilled <laughs> thinking about this. Uh, was it Matt? Like he asked her, like, would she be willing to do away with the filibuster in order to get things like uh, Medicare for all or a Green New Deal through Congress? Yeah, that's right. And I, I gotta pro- give props to the John there for asking that question because I really don't, I don't think any of these contenders can seriously be promoting any policies if they are not willing to say the filibuster has to go and I'm willing to alienate guys like Chuck Schumer by applying public pressure to make him get rid of it if they hold the gavel when they take power. Because if they don't, it's just going to be Obama all over again because it, it will, everything will die in the Senate. Uh, so good, good up, good, good look on the John by asking that. And I, and it'll be interesting to see how the different candidates respond. I can't imagine a worse response than the one she gave though. I have to say, uh, which was in effect, like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll have to think about it, but like, you know, 60 votes, like when you get 60 votes, like that means that people must really like it. Well, she said, if you don't get to 60, it means you haven't done enough of a You haven't done a good enough job persuading people. Right. But like, yeah, no, yeah, we've talked about, I mean, the idea that um, any kind of the legislation that, you know, uh, we would support or that is, let's say, broadly supported by up to 60 or 70 percent of the American public, um, there's no way that that's possible without getting rid of the. There's no way you're going to convince these people of this. And, and because because theoretically, I think the argument might be, well, sure, these might be ideologically committed senators here, but they like any representative are are bound by popular will and if you make something popular enough even their voters will demand that they uh support it but you know we talk about how these things are supported by 60 or 70 percent of the population but it's not equally distributed throughout the population and there are enough um senators from states that are almost entirely bitter old white people who don't want to do any of this stuff that they would be able to stop it from happening if you don't get rid of 60 and no amount of persuasion or popular support would move them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is the other thing, uh, Matt, you were t- talking about the other day where it's just like, you know, it's, it's, it's very hard to, uh, run for president or try to like inspire people when if you're being realistic, your message would be like, I'm going to get in there and like basically, Everything I do is going to be checkmated by our ludicrous political system, which has, you know, malappropriated a huge amount of power to like a tiny, you know, reactionary minority. Right. Which is why the real solution to all this problem isn't political. It's not presidential politics. It's things like labor organizing and and, uh, all that dual power shit that, that the radical left talks about. Problem is there is zero infrastructure for that. A zero mobilized population to make that a reality. You have people who are either checked out or who largely process politics through uh, what's on TV, which is these political figures. So there's a weird cart before the horse situation where to get people on board uh, with any kind of radical agenda, they have to hear it uh, from somewhere. And someone like a presidential candidate is probably going to be more likely to to be that conduit than anyone else, but that presidential candidate is in a structural milieu where their actual power is incredibly limited and their, their presidency, if it were to happen would most likely just be a huge frustrating failure. And the real question comes is what happens after that? What happens after the failure? What happens after you see all these efforts and all of this energy and all these proposals in the face of, looming environmental and economic catastrophe just crash against the rocks of systemic uh, opposition well what do we do about it then the other strategy uh is being outlined by joe biden at the moment who i i believe today uh made comments at uh you know speaking at some event and he just said like you know a lot of people think you know, my problem is I like Republicans too much. Well, he's like, oh, well, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. But like, that's just the way I am. And you can't get anything done, you know, unless you unless you have friends. And like, I, I just I, I love my we love our Republican friends. There's no possibility of there being so few Republicans that you don't have to compromise. with and, them. Uh, God forbid. And I, I believe Pelosi said the other day 
like, you know, she's like, my, you know, speaking of like the shutdown and this whole back and forth between her and Trump, she said something to the effect of, you know, my message is to like, you know, Republicans is to like take back your party. Like America needs a strong Republican party. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. You're the leader no, of the opposition to, to them. The Republican party. But what I loved about that Pelosi quote is that forget the ideology underpinning it, where she's admitting that she doesn't want to see a situation where the political gravity moves drastically to the left. That's a disaster for her. So she needs the ballast of a Republican party. Uh, so forget that though, even on its merits of her idea, even if, even if you are totally bought in on her point of view, how does she think that's supposed to work? Nancy fucking Pelosi, the boogeyman from San Francisco who embodies everything that these people have hated for a generation. They're good. She's going to, because she talked to you, she gave you a little pep talk. You're supposed to stop supporting the, the guy who all of your voters love more than anything and who would, they would die for on the advice of Nancy Pelosi, even on its own merits. It's, it's, it's absolutely uh, uh, incoherent and insane. Yeah. What would their incentive be to listen to you over him? Yeah, where, she... where, why would their voters want them to listen to you instead of the guy that they all love? It just shows that even in their own terms, these political operators, these canny people who did all this great stuff in their careers and they're so fucking smart and they're way smarter than you and they're way more grown up. They have no idea what to do. They're completely out of concept. They are like the Brezhnev era Soviet uh, bureaucrats were just hoping they die before the wheels fall off. And that's <laughs> all they are. <clears throat> I mean, the, just the sentence alone, take back your party. How can you take back something that's everything you wanted it to be forever? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Who is she talking to? Who? I mean, I know who she's talking to. She's talking to, like, five, like, epic never-Trump conservatives. She's talking to, like, Anna Navarro. Yeah. Just and, like, David fucking Brooks. pointless. It's like, so even, if, even if they pointless. are anti-Trump, they still hate you, idiot. They still always hated you. Before Trump came along, they talked about Nancy Pelosi. San Francisco values all the fucking time. I saw a really well, why great. Why the hell would they listen to you, Matt? I saw a really great QAnon meme uh, the other day that was uh, Nancy just sort of like uh, embracing from behind in kind of a romance cover style, but in a very bad Photoshop way. A uh, like MS13 guy with like a skull tattooed on his face, and it was like Nancy loves him more than you. <laughs> no, I love that guy more. <laughs> That's fucked up. She did that though. She's, that's, that's bad optics. Yeah, not good yeah, optics on, yeah. on, on her, her. She should campaign. not have brought MS13 members to her inauguration as speaker. That was. I'm giving that a flub. That's a definite gaffe by Speaker Nancy Pelosi. By the way, that uh, Biden that Biden speech where he says, "If I'm loving my Republican friends is a sin, then then guilty as charged." He said that in the context of it being revealed that during the. During the last president, during the last congressional election, 2018, last fucking year, he took 200 grand from a Republican group to speak on behalf of an embattled Republican running against a Democrat in Michigan. Who oh. And the guy, and the guy won. won. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. And, I mean, Beto did a similar thing, but the guy he supported is this is this anti-wall Republican uh, in uh, in Southern Texas who who. The Democrats love him because he's, well, look, here's a Republican and he doesn't like the wall. And it's obviously incredibly stupid to care and think that that means anything at this point. But at least you could argue that there's some sort of political strategy involved with that support. This was just they fucking paid him enough money for him to show up. Good job, Joe. Literally working to elect Republicans over Democrats for money. Yeah. Uh, but that, I mean, as long as we're talking, um, you know, uh, horse race stuff and we're speculating about the players here. Uh, Matt, uh, you brought up something the other day that I think is very correct, and that is uh, the three Bs. Beto, Biden, and Booker are all supremely overrated. Absolutely. As far as this Man, Democratic... Those are some, those are some over, overvalued stocks, and I'll yeah. short them all. Short, short all three of those guys uh, and their presidential ambitions. Uh, could you spend a little bit on uh, why you think that is about those three guys? Well, Biden, I think, his record speaks for itself in terms of being absolute shit. He does. He's, he's still running as the fuck the millennials candidate. Uh, I just don't see him overcoming him being a me too pervert and manifestly corrupt uh, war on drugs uh, 
founder. Um, Booker is just a creepy weirdo who no one has any sense of as a human being. Do you think his stock will rise, though, if he gets engaged to Rosario Dawson uh, before 2020? Uh, I might send them a, a, a delightful gift for the, for the, <laughs> from the registry, but I don't think it would help him too much, no. Uh, and then uh, Beto, he's just, he's a child. Come on. Uh, get out of here with this. Fall out of here. Uh, I've actually been thinking about it, and I might change my opinion on this, and I might, it might be me the flu that I'm recovering from talking, but I kind of think that it's either going to be one of three people. It's either going to end up being Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, or Bernie. Mm. Yeah, and I, Bernie I, and Harris are going to end up being, after it gets whittled down a bit, the people who represent the two wings of the Democratic Party, broadly speaking. And then if neither of them can win, the compromise candidate who both sides could accept before anyone else would be Warren. I so think that's that, why I, I think it's going to win one of those three. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Now, uh, I know you guys uh, recorded right before she announced, but... Very annoying. Yeah. Very Kamala, irritating, because we made about the fact that she didn't... Uh, uh, announced yet as part of our whole thing so she's dead to me yeah no uh so kamala is also officially in the race and i think you're right that kamala is among the strongest contenders uh to to, for the democrats to get their nomination and you know is like hillary she's hillary redux oh yeah she's a new and improved hillary and getting back together You, you like everybody who spent 2016 in a froth they could hear the echoing horn in the distance, and they're putting on their breastplates and marching off to battle. But she's an improved Hillary Clinton because she doesn't have quite the same record of Hillary's um, you know, failures and malfeasance, although she has quite a, a record herself, which I'll get into in a second. But she is like, uh, she has the, um, I don't know, capable of at least a, like some kind of humanity or personality, you know? Like when her... When her uh, aides you know leaked that charming video of her uh dancing to cardi b it was like obviously um h- horrible to watch no uh, it was, or, or it think was about. organic she didn't know they were <laughs> recording it was 100 percent. yeah no she loves listening to cardi b uh she listens to amigos she actually camilla worked behind the scenes for tyga to have a comeback a lot of people don't know that it's 100 percent real it's fucking dude. When she went to the classic bodanga to get some fucking dusty egg and cheese, that's fucking badass. That shit's fucking cool. She can um, pretend to do that shit in a way that is, I would say, slightly more convincing than Hillary Clinton, which is to say, convincing at all. I may or- not be Cardi B, but I'm popping my pussy. <laughs> But see, when uh, Hillary did that, I didn't believe her. I, but... I may not be Cardi B, but I know the American people care about one thing more than all, everything else, and that's money. <laughs> Donald, I'll tell you this simply. Hoes don't get cold, but in Russia, they do. Um, no, yeah, she's fucking cool. I still, you guys know, I think Joe Biden's going to win. Uh, you, okay, so you're, you're disagreeing. You're disagreeing. I think, with, Joe I, Bi- I think Matt I, is right. Here's why I think Joe Biden's going to win. Talk to the average person who votes in, like, a Democratic primary. What do you think they think of Joe Biden? Uh, he, epic boss. He's epic. He's, epic. he's, he's onion, an epic adulting yeah. like a boss. That's he, it. Talk to any normal person. Try to talk to any normal person about, like, any of the events you see as, like, you know, if you listen to the show, you're probably, like, just a fucking, you consume so much media. You love it. You love consuming media. It's all you do. And you have all the stuff on the backlash to Louis C.K. and fucking all that shit. Just go up to any normal person. They're like, damn, what if Louis C.K. was in Adventures? And they mean Avengers, but they think the word is Avengers. Adventures? Damn, what if Louis C.K. was friends with Iron Man in the Adventures? And they're saying stuff like that. And just to the average person, they see Joe Biden. And they're like, yeah, that guy, that's fucking epic. I need that. And so I think he's going to win, and I think, yeah, then uh, Bolsonaro will be I, I also president of America. I disagree, just because he's not going to be able to just lean against the Trans Am and recreate Onion photographs the whole time. He's going to actually have to talk, and every time he's talked, he's said shit that's been more alienating, and uh, and other other paper frontrunners who had a lot of name recognition have fallen away as soon as people get serious about it, and I think he'll just fall victim to that same trend. 
Well, uh, Felix, to your point, uh, one person, one very uh, normal person who is a fan of Joe Biden is friend of the show, Aaron Sorkin, who there you uh, go, being, dude. every <laughs> American loves Aaron Sorkin, yeah. so he's going to win. Who uh, being interviewed by Fareed Zakaria said uh, of Biden, I really like Joe Biden. And then it went on to sort of say, uh, it's time for, you know, these new Democrats to like, you know, it's time to be grownups. It's time to act like a damn grown up. You know, we could. He said when I think when I think grown up, I think Aaron Sorkin. We, I think the I think the 40 year old man with little trotsy glasses who did three thousand dollars of coke a day while writing about a brave newsman who uh, turned down sex because he saw a gun. I think about that guy. But I mean, you know, people, right now that he had he adapted to kill a mockingbird for Broadway. Yeah. And the funny thing is, uh, like on CNN, like on the the Chiron underneath Aaron Sorkin, it said like Aaron Sorkin playwright, comma To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> <laughs> he no, he wrote it. He wrote it, dude. But I, I swear to God, I think he did rewrite some of fucking uh, Atticus Finch. He, uh, yeah, he uh, like I think he rewrote some of Atticus's speeches to be like even more mic drop. Probably something yeah, about said, Russia yeah. involved. Uh, and Aaron Sorkin is actually playing Boo Radley in the stage version of it. Ha. I'm assuming you're kidding, but that would be funny if he did that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not kidding. No, it's real, dude. He Look shows up. up in dirty long johns, drooling every night. Well, but, in but, case you were wondering, I mean, because I haven't seen it. I don't think any of us are going to see it, but I'm fairly confident that, yeah, there's a bunch of really obnoxious shit added because uh, on the on the marquee at the, at the theater that it's in. Uh, on Broadway, uh, Chris Jones from the, the Tribune is quoted as saying, a game-changing mockingbird. Aaron Sorkin has written a genuinely radical new play that fits this riven American moment. <laughs> this living, <laughs> breathing mockingbird so- pulses with relevance. I embrace it. So Atticus Finch calls the judge Drumpf. That's what if that was his only change? <laughs> Listen here, Judge Drumpf. And there's nothing ever, nothing else added. And they're like, Aaron Sorkin's done it again. But he probably just, uh, um, who's the girl in the book? Little, little kid? Scout. Scout. What a dumb name. <laughs> uh, she's like, you know, she asked Atticus Finch, do you think that Alabama is the greatest state in America? And he's like, listen up, you stupid bitch. And he just fucking We're goes 50th in peace 50th in education, 50th in literacy, 50th <laughs> in nutrition, 50th in child poverty. Uh, so, television girl. He'd say that instead of internet girl. Like in Newsroom, Aaron Sorkin's other show, besides The Westing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so and Sports Center by Aaron Sorkin. Uh, and, and Saturday Night Live on Sunset Street. <laughs> Also, my Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin literally did a West Wing show about Saturday Night Live. He what a did. fucking loser. <laughs> I honestly think we should watch How it. How do one they time. write the skits in time? Because fucking loser. As funny as it is watching him be ultra self important about the news or, or presidential administration, the idea of him bringing that same bloated gravitas to fucking SNL, I'm gonna I, write- I think it might be very funny. Matt, Chris, cut the recording because Matt, I have a, I have a million dollar idea. We're gonna write studio on sixty on Sunset Strip. Same gravitas, same like swelling music and walk and talks and highly tense. Rat a tat tat dialogue and yeah. but for Mad TV, <laughs> like how how did they come up with Stewart and Mrs. Swan and all the characters we love? Like, dude, that's the fucking show. Uh, refocusing back to um, uh, presidential contenders and Kamala Harris, who is Hillary Clinton two point We've, she she is the upgraded, improved Hillary Clinton. She embodies all of the same the same general political philosophy and tendencies, but in a uh, cooler, more relatable uh, package. But uh, I, I think she's uh, going to be formidable in the Democratic primary because, like, I, you know, the Hillary people. It's like the same thing. Like I've been enjoying seeing this week being like, we were silent when they came for Hillary. Never <laughs> again. I, yeah, really. Come home you? with I your shield or on top of it in the Kamala War. This is Kamala. I'm glad that we're gonna have a, a Lebanese civil war arrangement of online. You're gonna have the Q faction, the Kamala faction, Biden, but they mostly hold sovereign territory on Facebook and Pinterest. Uh, yeah, just posting his warfare. It's truer than ever. The the line I I keep seeing over and over again about uh, Kamala is, is like, for, well, first a. Um, it's unfair to call her a cop, and if you do, you're probably a Russian influence op. 
this elides the fact that Kamala referred to herself as California's top cop over and over again uh, throughout her political career. And connected to that, that there's something suspicious about all of the people who are maybe not so thrilled with the idea of Kamala Harris being the Democratic nominee are all using the same talking points. It's like it's all very, very suspicious and that they're all coming for her at the same time, you know, literally right after she announced her intention to run for president with the same information. By that, I mean, like her literal political record and the shit she did as a prosecutor, which is fairly bone chilling. I mean, even going back to like when she was a prosecutor in San Francisco before she became like for all of California, where she did things like, you know, defend the de- the death penalty in court or uh, suggest um, that the parents of truant children should be um, imprisoned. When she was a DA in San Francisco, she was known for just throwing the fucking book at people on weed charges. Like, like multiple year state sentences, first offense kind of shit. For like, what, just like having like a fucking yeah, ram or whatever? Yes. That's cool. I'm, yeah, I'm glad she likes Cardi B's music. Um, good thing Cardi B never grew up um, in her district because... Things could have turned out differently. Well, maybe have you guys thought that maybe listening to Cardi B has changed her position? Could be. That's probably exactly what happened. Uh, when, you know, once again, and it's going to be a recurring theme uh, among these people. Uh, they they really do think it is like unfair or some kind of cheat code to reference the uh, political record or positions of a person running for president. Yeah, because we're all growing. It's unfair to judge. We're not the same people we used to be. Any of us. If you think about it, are all of our scales in our body uh, change every seven years? Yeah, you know, maybe Camilla Harris found a reason to change, and the reason is you. <laughs> uh, did you know that your eyes are the only thing you're born with that stay the same size? That's why they realize the real lies. Yep. Uh, yeah, it would be great if we could stop having uh, people run for higher office from the position of being prosecutor. That would be, that's just, that's all I want. Well, the thing is, like... That's all I want, because those people are just authoritarian nutcases who will do whatever to get in charge. And part of that doing whatever is just completely reversing their positions on the very thing that got them in power, as Harris did. Well, yeah, because, like... I mean, the gold standard should be, if anyone has even touched a fucking prosecutor's office, the gold standard should be positions in line with Larry Krasner. That's it. And But, like, yeah, like, when you become uh, a prosecutor and you have any kind of ambition for higher office or, you know, even to go on to, you know, a, a, a private law firm or whatever. Like when you join like like a like a, a DA's office or you're a prosecutor for the state, despite whatever, like, you know, your own personal politics or intentions or, you know, you may be pure of heart or, you know, think that our criminal justice system is unnecessarily uh, punitive and, and cruel. None of that shit matters because like you're just enlisted in a giant machine of which you are just a tiny cog, and your only purpose is to just put numbers on people over and over and over again, day in, day out. Just put fucking years on on people. And just like you're part of this giant machine of which that is literally the only purpose. Yeah, for decades, you were the thing that hundreds of thousands of people in your immediate geographical area worried about, the thing that would upend their life and ruin it forever. Uh, just a psychic weight and pain on them seemingly never ending all powerful no recourse so yeah uh good, good reason to be skeptical of not just kamala but um any, any, prosecutor. any prosecutor uh seeking higher office oh uh, here's a good contrarian position okay go for it uh say like oh people are against abolition but they hate Cy Vance. or people are for <laughs> prison abolition but hate Cy Vance. <laughs> that's dude that's a strong one Ooh. okay you brought up uh Cy vance let's um Let's 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 segue out of politics and into you know entertainment. Let's talk about let's talk about Tinseltown. The Oscar noms are out. So Felix, I know you don't see movies. I so, think you're childish. Yeah, I know you don't see movies, but I'm wondering if you could um, give us uh, spit some contrarian fire on all of the uh, best picture noms. Okay, can you give me? You, you want to go through? Yeah, them? yeah, go through them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I may need a summary, like a short sum. Like, yeah, yeah. I, not I can, plot summary, but just like what they're about. Okay. Yeah, yeah. First up, we've got. Black Panther, directed by Ryan Coogler, it takes the place in the Marvel universe. It, you know, I think I think you're familiar with the plot of this one. All right, we're gonna go with a contrarian take over why it should win. 
they, I would say that the, the conventional wisdom is that it's like one of the best superhero movies ever made. Uh, a huge step forward in terms of like, you know, representation in Hollywood and the superhero genre. The first superhero movie, I think, ever to be nominated for Best Picture. Can oh, we- really? You're saying it's a better superhero movie than Knocked Up because it's a superpower to be a, a mother. <laughs> Woo! Suck my dick, dude. I'm fucking rolling. Let's go. Hit me. Hit me. Hit me. Uh, well, Matt, what's 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 your regular take on Black Panther? Sucks. Yeah, it's dog shit. Uh, next, I, I, for anyone wondering, I've not seen the movie. <laughs> I haven't seen any of these movies. Keep going. I know. Just what's your contrary take on, uh, or just any take on where Black Panther sits in the pantheon of superhero movies? The message of Black Panther, as I understood it from reading Post. First of all, first is secondary contrarian take you can have. Oh, Wakanda had a border wall. <laughs> okay. And it had a giant like hologram border That's right. wall. That in fact it was maybe, Donald Trump's literal yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it gave Donald. Oh, it's that was a thing on right wing media. I saw a number of articles saying Wakanda is a model for, with what Trump is trying to do. And they had pictures of of Black Panther with the MAGA hat on. All right, so Black Panther has a horrible message, and that message is that you should never go beast mode. Uh, but Venom the movie for the everyman is a movie entirely about how sometimes you need to go beast mode to save your own life. Exactly. Um, okay. Next, uh, best picture nominee, uh, black Klansman, directed by Spike Lee. This is of course based on a true story about a team of, what was it? Cops or FBI agents who infiltrate the Ku Klux Klan. All right. Again, haven't seen this movie I haven't even read posts about it. I've just like scrolled through snippets of the post. But going by what I understand, really, we're going to give Spike Lee an award by giving a platform to David Duke. Or, I mean, like why they should have nominated him for Do the Right Thing, a classic. Everyone recognizes that as a great work of art. He wasn't even nominated. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, too too hot to touch. But now he literally does a, a hagiography to um, David Duke. It's the David Duke story. He did a movie about David Duke and said that David Duke is black. It's honestly fucked up. It's not even correct. I don't even know why he said that. F minus, zero stars. <laughs> Matt, have you seen Black Klansman? No. Yeah, me neither. Uh, my take on that, uh, Spike Lee not made a watchable movie in probably 15 years. Oh, and the lead, the main character in the movie, the lead actor who I've literally never seen before. I think I just found out he's Denzel Washington's son. So, yep. you know. All Come right, on. we're giving it one star for nepotism. Nepotism is cool. Let's go. All right, Felix, next movie. Uh, this this one I know you'll have an opinion on. Okay, hit me. It's Bohemian Rhapsody. You know, seems to me like people make a big deal about mental health awareness, right? Yes. And how you can still be a good person even if you have like a brain condition. Yet they want to cancel Brian Singer and Rhapsody, despite his obvious condition. Well, the funny thing about that is, like, the, the, well, no, no, no one, one wants, no one's canceling, canceling him. He's, no it's one. literally nominated for Best Picture. He's uncancelable. He's like, <laughs> what does? I feel like we have to do a Cthulhu campaign on Brian Singer because he has some sort of fucking, he has some netherworld rune where it's just like, like literally everyone knows. Like, the guy we talked about who calls the Avengers the Adventures knows that Brian Singer, you know, he's on that cheese pizza shit. I'm trying not to get sued. but Yeah, but it kind of suggests that he might also know some people who are even more powerful than him and uh, might be implicated in his uh, <laughs> and therefore have the incentive to keep his... Uh, his off the front page and to prevent him from getting into too much trouble. Because of what he knows about them. I, I wish you could hear this. It's what? so distorted. It sounds like you're distorting your own voice because you're afraid Brian Singer is going to kill you. That's literally what it sounds like. That bitch isn't going to kill me. Fuck him. <laughs> oh, my um, God. Now, so, now uh, David Geffen. David Geffen can kill me, probably. <laughs> Yeah. No, I hear that. I don't. I don't know what happened. I, I moved the computer. That might have done it. I don't know. Okay, that's that, that sounds significantly better. better. That sounds better. All right. I feel like I. I just want your contrarian take that. Uh, make the case that Bohemian Rhapsody is a a good film and should not be judged by any merits outside of the film. Okay. Itself. Okay. A good film. Okay. Do you know what it's about? Yeah. Yeah. What, course, what is it about? Of course, I do. Well, what's it about? 
All right. So once upon a time in England, there was a boy born, and his name was Freddie Mercury. And though he was named after the second planet from the sun, he was everything that was great about Earth. <laughs> in his life, yeah, he wrote some songs. He wrote songs about big asses. He wrote some songs about guys who are champions in a non-specific sport. He wrote uh, the other fucking Queen song. But then he had a vision. And it was, um, you know, he smoked the most powerful drugs available to him in the 70s. And it was, by our standards, mids. <laughs> it was and he, lower than mids. <laughs> it was lower, yeah. The best weed you could smoke It'll, in the 70s was like, uh, it, it came in a br- like a brick and it looked like sand. It literally had, it literally had bark from playgrounds <laughs> in it. And that's actually what first attracted Brian Singer to the story. Uh and he came up with this story, the story of the Bohemian Rhapsody. And it's about a, a child who shoots somebody and then tells his mom, like, don't worry about it. Mind, w- mind your business. I'm busy. His mom's knocking on the Starbucks bathroom. What? I'm busy. <laughs> then he calls out to early astronomer Galileo for some reason. And then uh, some dances, some other bullshit, and people in the 70s who smoked even lower weed than the sub-mids that Freddie Mercury smoked. They cried. They killed their parents. They had gross group sex. Their genitals all looked deflated due to the types of hormones that were in food in the 70s that are different from the hormones now that bimbofy everybody. And uh, then uh, he died. And that's the story of the Bohemian Rhapsody. And if you can't take a lesson from that and apply it to the age of Trump, you're basically a fucking idiot. You're an absolute fucking moron, and you shouldn't even be allowed to watch movies that were filmed in color. You've only earned, uh, you know, Three Stooges and Buster Keaton and the movie where the French guys fuck the moon with the rocket. That's all you deserve. It's not for you. The Bohemian Rhapsody isn't for you. You're fucking nothing. You're nobody. You're a fucking idiot. Okay. Uh, next up is The Favorite. Felix, do you know what The Favorite is about? I have zero clue. It just, I've okay. never heard of it until this moment. Okay. Um, what do you think it's about? It's about a guy who goes to a website he really likes. And he's like, <laughs> oh, I'd like to go here later in the future. And he favorites it. Uh, you are correct. It is a movie about posting. Sweet. Okay. No, what's it actually about? It is about a uh, lesbian love triangle in the court of Queen Anne. All right. This, you got some French bullshit into my American Academy it's Award. Engl- it's England. England. Yeah, okay, they have girl on girl over there. <laughs> Fat chance. That's entirely CGI. Get it out of here. <laughs> okay, uh, next up, Green Book. Okay, okay. So Green Book is about the least racist Italian ever who grew up to be Colonel Gaddafi. No, no, Green Book actually is a straight adaptation of Gaddafi's book. <laughs> That's amazing that Gaddafi's manifesto is just about a black piano player and a stupid Italian guy. No, knew. Viggo Mortensen plays... Muammar Gaddafi. Oh, that was during Gaddafi's Italian phase. Yes. That was before pan-Arabism and pan-Africanism. <laughs> yes. It's incredible. It was pan-Traxism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, who can forget? Um, I mean, you know, the Italian uh, prime minister did warn Gaddafi about airstrikes told him to get out of the palace, so there you go. he was a pan-Italian. Uh, quick, uh, quick note about Green Book. The screenwriter of the movie, <clears throat> who is the son of the guy that Viggo Mortensen's character is based on, was, I believe, the source for the rumors that Muslims in Jersey City were dancing in the streets after 9-11. Best picture. All right, we're getting a best picture. Best everything. Best screenwriter for sure. Well, we may never know whether uh, Matt has seen um, Muammar Gaddafi's Green Book or not because uh, he's having technical difficulties on he, his end. We're doing real old school Chapo now. So real quick, let's just finish out the best picture nominees here with uh, Felix. Um, next one, uh, Roma. All right. Well, I think it's good. The Roma people are finally getting, uh, you know, um, a good spotlight in Hollywood, you know, after thinner, horrifying piece of (laughs) propaganda against them. (laughs) So I think I actually rescind, uh, best picture for green book and give it to Roma. What is it actually about though? It's based on Alfonso Curran's, uh, like upbringing in a neighborhood in Mexico city called Roma. And it's like uh, it's about like a sort of upper middle class family and uh, their nanny and like the two families kind of like an upstairs downstairs thing. And like the I, have, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm all sure right, it's brilliant. Right. Let me go. OK, I'm about to go Gene Shallot. OK, even if I was a Florida preacher, this is one Quran I wouldn't flush down the toilet. 
<laughs> Alfonso Caron. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, second to last one, uh, A Star is Born. That's literally nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. Why do you even watch movies? They're so bad. Okay. Um, this is uh, starring Bradley Cooper and, and Lady, Lady Gaga. Gaga. Lady Gaga. What is that? A fucking expensive baby? <laughs> Woo! I don't know. How is that nominated? Were there literally just no other movies? Or they were afraid to, like, Aquaman didn't make the deadline and Star is Born? Well, okay, actually, I'm being too cruel. If men can have Venom, women can have a Star is Born. Okay, we're done. Yeah, one last one. And we should win the women's Oscars. <laughs> That's a real event that I've invented. Uh, last but not least, uh, Vice. Is the prequel to Inherent Vice? I'm just kidding, guys. That's another movie I've heard of. Uh, yeah, I uh, haven't seen it. This is the this is the Gavin McGinnis story. Oh, oh, yeah. okay. Best picture. Yeah, we should <laughs> just give like five best pictures then. This is just like yeah. This is about Shane, Gavin, Schmoosh, yeah, uh, all the, all the guys and like their dream to you know one day you know make like the coolest media company in the world. And it is the coolest. And what it wasn't is the coolest <laughs> company. When I think cool, I think Vice one hundred thousand fucking percent. Like from its heyday, you know, its early salad days as like just a bunch of already 40-year-old gross-looking Canadians who, like, did a bunch of cocaine and were like, oh, what if there's a skateboard with a swastika on it? That'd be crazy. Uh, to now, where it's like, oh, uh, you know, I found out what it, what it's like to, uh, you know, put CBD water up my asshole. I just think cool. And every time I'm in Williamsburg, coolest neighborhood in New York City, New York, New York State... Uh, yeah, you can keep your Statue of Liberty in my head. I have the Vice headquarters near there. Uh, my gym is filled with Vice people. They all look fucking cool. I I bet they have some cool shit in their office, like a fucking water cooler with beer in it. That's pimp. That's insane. You thought you were getting hydrated here? No, you're drinking classic badass epic beer. Uh, they, they're just fucking awesome. They look cool. I like them. Uh, Vice, five stars. The coolest magazine on earth. Uh, there you go. That there are your best picture nominations, and uh, that about does it for us uh, on this episode. But before we go, Felix, can you just uh, can you just read that the Trump tweet that you just that just oh, came yeah, across? No, no the, problem. Just came across the wire. Trump purple says we have to have a wall because human traffickers tie up women and put them in their back seats, and they don't come in through a port of entry. Some of these people are so genius that if they were ever legit, they'd become very rich. He's just talking about himself <laughs> and his relationship with Melania. <laughs> yeah no but he's he's thinking of like tying women to train tracks or something yeah like, yeah they're so smart that they're putting women tied up in the backs of cars that's the thing he thinks is genius it's like that's, that's like what the guys in fargo did yeah that's literally what like snidely whiplash does who trump like thinks is a real person that he knows he has a feud with snidely whiplash <laughs> Uh yeah no and then but they're coming through ports of entry they're not or they're not coming they're through not coming through ports of entry because they're using the the 900 IQ method of tying women up and putting them in the backseat. But like to, to what purpose are they, are they doing this? Is this a human trafficking thing that he's, uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's just like a get like, Oh, let me see if I can do it. Or like the women are made of drugs <laughs> or like, no, Oh, here's the move. The guy is MS 13 and the woman is not, but they have a baby once they get in America. And then that is an anchor baby. Who's also an MS 13. He's grandfathered into the gang, and he has citizenship that can't be revoked. Boom. So these, you can see if they went legit, they would make a billion dollars. Well, uh, keep that in mind. But uh, on behalf of uh, Matt, myself, and Felix, uh, we are uh, signing off for this episode. So until next, next time. time, bye.